Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue production of these podcasts, prayers, and more, go to discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. Thanks and God bless. Discerninghearts.com presents St. Teresa of Avila, Spiritual Warfare and the Progress of the Soul with Dan Burke, who is the founder and president of the Avila Institute for Spiritual Formation. He's also the co-host of the Divine Intimacy radio show with his wife, Stephanie. He is the author and editor of more than 17 books on Catholic spirituality, including Devil in the Castle, the book on which this series is based. St. Teresa of Avila, Spiritual Warfare and the Progress of the Soul, with Dan Burke. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Dan, thank you so much again for joining us and helping us to appreciate the practical, wonderful wisdom of the greatest Mother Teresa, I have to say, the mystical doctor of the church, St. Teresa of Avila. Thank you. Yeah, well, God be praised. Thanks for the opportunity. It's such a gift to speak about her and to help people to know her better because she's such an amazing guide to what it means to follow Jesus. It's it's an honor. I've spoken to so many people that have come to know her by reading her wonderful works for the autobiography, which is so earthy, so lovely. I encourage people to go back, as I'm sure you would, to just let her talk to you, and also the way of perfection. But many have come to know her through the interior castle. And in some ways, I think souls can become confused, possibly because of the what they think their experiences are. And once you begin to enter into that fourth mansion, Teresa, am I mistaken, Dan? She's trying to get you to put your feet back on the ground and to open up your eyes. Yeah. I mean, it's a place of danger relative to discernment regarding goods and discernment regarding, so good movements of the soul, Mm -hmm. good desires. The enemy shifts his tactics, right? Because now... In this realm, whereas in the early purgative way, you know, first mansions or even before, he can, if you struggle with lust, you know, he can trap you with porn or whatever. Anyone who's in this place is just not going to fall to that very easily, if if at all. But instead, what we'll fall to is assessing ourselves as more advanced than we really are, lowering our guard because you know, you know, somebody might think, well, it's not humble to say, well, I'm in the illuminative way, and maybe you shouldn't say it, sure. But you do know, if you study the mystics, what the characteristics are and what the telltale signs are. You do know, for instance, whether or not you keep going to confession for the same reason every week, Uh, you know, that's subjectively Mm -hmm. true or not true. And if you study good moral theology, and, and you're reading the catechism, and you're, you know, availing yourselves of good good examinations of conscience, which people in this realm do, you're not going to be self-deluded about the objective reality that you're not confessing mortal sins anymore, and you're not even confessing necessarily venial sin habitually. So objectively, we can be aware that we are in this state or beyond, but we can fall short. We, We can be deceived into complacency and also pride. 
over that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, and the thing is, I know I've been seduced into that. I remember when I first read this years ago that, of course, I thought I immediately, well, I'm in the fifth mansion, obviously. Oh, you and you me know. both, by the way. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not, I, I realize now, several decades later, I, if, if I'm out of the second mansion, I'm, you know, may God be praised. Um, for his kindness to me. But reality, I mean, the fourth mansion, as you said, are those people who are really striving, and they really do love the Lord, and they really take prayer very seriously, and they begin to experience some things. Yeah. And it's not even so much when you say pride, it's it's one where it's a temptation for those of us who are desiring to do good. It's probably the most seductive, isn't it? Yeah, because you long for the Lord and you long for all the good, and then you see deficiencies around you. And boy, is it easy to judge yourself as glorious when you're, you know, compared to a pile of rubble or whatever, you know, right? But Mm -hmm. the way, and the way to avoid it, of course, is that we don't compare ourselves to others, because that's the definition of humility that I like best is an accurate assessment of who we are, but that can't come without being in the context of God, in the context of Jesus himself in his humanity is the best frame of reference. So the question is, how much am I like Jesus, not how much better am I than my you know, neighbor or than other pious people I know who don't quite do the pious things I do? I'm saying I'm sort of mocking in a way. We desire the good, long for the good, we see the good, we know the bad, and then we start to compare. And boy, it's so dangerous. You can go backwards. in the You can leave mm-hmm. fourth, fifth mansion and go back to lower mansions, which means you're subjecting yourself more to the demonic forces who are stronger there. But she, she's pretty vehement in her admonitions, you know, be careful. Make sure you're assessing your progress based on love, you know, is the is the measure really. But then what is how does love what does it look like in a biblical sense? Uh in a Catholic sense, how does it manifest? And you have to know that, right? It's it's not you you mentioned you said, you know, I thought I was in the fifth mansion, and I did too, and I first read it because I I was basing my assessment on experience, which were mere extensions of God's mercy when I was very new, beginner, beginner, and he was trying to encourage me, which I'm sure he was you too, because you were, you know, striving. I have no doubt at that time you were striving. Otherwise, you wouldn't have experienced anything, of course, that encouraging. But similarly, later on, we have to be careful that we assess our progress based on his standards, not ours. Don't you love it in the beginning of chapter four? Or I can't say chapter four in the mansions. I mean, she talks about the fourth mansion. Yeah. But in the fourth mansion, she will say, it would be kind of nice if those little creatures, those little things were coming in and maybe nipping at you a little bit so that you would stay awake yeah. and that you would be tempted in those old ways just so you would stay alert. And yeah. I, I think that's so interesting, isn't it? Yes, of course, the demons were angels, or they still are, they're corrupted mm-hmm. angels, whose primary task is to help us to heaven. He makes them do it anyway. So one group, the ones in heaven, get to do it according to their yes, 
and he forces the ones who said no, non-Serbium, to serve anyway, which is part of their punishment. But in this way, he will allow them to nip at us, as you noted. I think that's the word she uses. And the analogy I use in the book is it's sort of like you're driving down the freeway, you get in this stupor, your eyes are open, but you're sort of the buzz of the highway. It's, I don't, it is a kind of sleep, actually, in, in a medical, in a true medical psychological sense. It is a, a stage of sleep, but your, your eyes are still open. But then somebody slams on the brakes in front of you and your, your adrenaline just goes through the roof. And of course, you hit your own brakes and hope the guy behind you wasn't dozing like you. And, mm-hmm. and, but it's that gift of now you're fully awake, right? So mm-hmm. he, he allows minor temptations, not the full breadth of what you would experience before, because there, there's not enough matter in you in a sense, or not enough, I don't know what the right word is. The handles are a lot smaller and God doesn't make the temptations harder. He just allows the tempter to wake you up because it's so important to be alert. And, you know, in the Gospels, Jesus is constantly, and the apostles, St. Paul in particular, but also uh, Peter, be careful that the devil's a prowling lion seeking, you know, whom he may devour, looking for every opportunity. And the lion has way less power, and you're further into the kingdom and his reach is harder to get to you but he can send his smaller little minions after you to try to try to get you and it it's a warning too that hey the enemy's still present and Mm -hmm. and you're you're not yet perfect even in a temporal sense to the degree that we can achieve perfectionist in our broken humanity on earth You're, you're not there yet and just be aware you, you may not also be quite as special as you think. And uh, which is a, a good humbling, you know. I was talking with our mutual friend, Anthony Lillis, the other day about frustrations in prayer that we're both experiencing at the same time, interestingly enough, and how humbling it is because you just, you think you're beyond that. And then he allows it again, you know, as another example, and you're going, Okay, I'm I'm not my I'm nothing. You are you know I love that prayer of Saint oh, is it Teresa or she's a servant of God, Teresa Picaretta, or 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 a better, a doctor of the church that you know well, Saint Catherine of Siena. You know, I, I am he who is and you are she who is not, right? Is that the quote? That's it. That right. you're you got it. Yeah, so we have to be put in our place and and realize okay there's no rest until you see him face to face in this life but you just don't i mean we have a retreat center and we want people to come and rest but these kinds of rests are super brief and or like the pilgrimage we did together mm-hmm. those are important to do but most of the time it's just a battle even on pilgrimage it's a battle you know because this is all training and preparation for the, the glorious hereafter where we get to worship and praise and be in constant consolation uh, for all of eternity. So kind of looking forward to that. We'll return to St. Teresa of Avila, Spiritual Warfare and the Progress of the Soul with Dan Burke in just a moment. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? 
Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. A Love Song by St. Teresa of Avila Majestic Sovereign, Timeless Wisdom, Your Kindness Melts My Heart cold soul. Handsome lover, selfless giver, your beauty fills my dull, sad eyes. I am yours. You made me. I am yours. You called me. I am yours. You saved me. I am yours. You loved me. I will never leave your presence. Give me death Give me life, give me sickness, give me health, give me honor, give me shame, give me weakness, give me strength. I will have whatever you give. Amen. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to St. Teresa of Avila, Spiritual Warfare and the Progress of the Soul with Dan Burke. Me too. And I think many out there are feeling the same way. How I love that you brought up Catherine of Siena, because here's a great example of these two great women who are doctors of the church, and their teachings do not contradict each other at any point. They complement each other. And as you were just saying that, Catherine went through these same kind of struggles with thinking that she's at a certain point and the father reveals to her in the dialogues. Oh, no, 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 that wasn't me. That, you know, that was the enemy allowing coming into this situation. I'm paraphrasing big time here, but, and she's just shocked. What? He talks about to Catherine, how he will pull back gifts pull back things uh, yeah. if it's damaging the soul if it's right. it's hurting and that's what Teresa is talking about you know that you you don't take it for granted because yeah. if you think it's about you and what you want and what this is mine that's not a healthy mindset 
No, and in fact, another great mystical teacher, if you will, but not a doctor, St. Ignatian, same, same parallel. It, it's all about helping us to remain humble. Humility is necessary at every, I mean, you can't even get move into the interior castles without a significant movement of uh, work of humility anyway. But it's, it's really a constant movement of purification on the part of the Lord, of revealing things in us through these circumstances. And the way I love to look at them, because I, it's the way I experience them, is they're an invitation to healing. And mm -hmm. we always remember whether the enemy is allowed to prick us a bit, which wakes us up, or maybe even a bigger uh, difficulty that we face. So it's one to endure the trial, and that's good. That's a progress in, in the spiritual life, because before maybe we would have run or inebriated or avoided. So it's one thing to endure, which is a good step in progress. It's another and a higher order to ask, okay, what are you doing in this? Like, what does this reveal in me? What is still an attachment that I have that needs the divine touch to free me? Because in this in this realm, all of, all of our progress, other than us showing up, being awake, knowing how to fight, I mean, this is the realm of infused contemplative graces. This is the realm where our efforts are important, but they're far less important than the ones, than all of the efforts prior to this, which were very important, the subjugation of the will to the will of God, to develop um, uh, some strength of the will to deal with even deeper challenges because there are the challenges here and have a greater subtlety to them. We've been talking about that a greater, uh, as uh, Teresa said, there are not many creatures in this realm. I can't remember if she said this in the fourth or fifth mansion, not mm -hmm. many creatures in this realm, but the ones that are in this realm are way more crafty and way more sneaky and able to way more deceptive, which is where, why you get into the deceptions to the good, which are not God's will, you know, so, but it's all to heal us. It's all to, if you, if you think of the Lord, I, lo I love the chosen in spite of its Marian flaws. But if you think of Jesus in that beautiful visual, or even Caviezel, uh, who's a little less kind of as personal as Jonathan Rumi plays him, standing in front of you and you're at some distance from him, what keeps you from the, being united to him fully, right? Well, it's all the junk, you know, all the, in the purgative way, it's the capital sins or the seven deadly sins in their raw form, in the illuminative way, they are, they're still there, but they're in the more subtle forms. And he's saying, as John of the Cross said, uh, whether it be a rope or a thread, the soul is hindered. So it, if it can be a thread, which is a thin hindrance, or the rope, which is a big one, which is purgative, it's still a thread. It's still something that keeps us from it, holds us back, something in between us. And he wants to just say, you know, Chris, I want you to know all of my love. I want you to know the fullness of graces. I want you to be I want you to know the glory of all that I designed you to be, this little thing here. Can will you let me heal it? You know, will you let me heal it? And because I want to. You know, so it's a it's a beautiful process when you look at it that way.
the fourth mansion, as you're describing it, is such a transitory mansion, isn't it? I mean, it's that that movement into that deeper relationship and that that thing that we're holding on to, as you said, she tries to help us to understand. And, and she talks about, we get confused because we have experiences that is she's trying to find the words mm-hmm. and she actually does a better job than she thinks she's doing. Sure. But she's trying to help us understand that this is the temptation the enemy is using because we are experiencing things. It's bringing us delight. It's giving us what we think is consolation. It makes us feel good about ourselves. And yet those experiences in prayer really are not fruitful. There really isn't something. I mean, there's, there's an emptiness that lingers and you need to test those. And like you said, what's that feeding that you continue to want to do those things? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And and it, you, you remind me of that portion of the book where we talk about the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control, which are really the test of any of those experiences. Do the experiences produce these kinds of goods in the soul or do they produce uh, pride? But also you said th- something important that she describes, and that is that The goods, in quote, produced by the enemy, false consolations or whatever, well, let me back up. True consolations will result in joy, peace, all of that tends to last, whether in experience or memory, it doesn't matter which, but they they last in both cases. But false consolations always have a very short duration in terms of their affective reality in the soul, meaning how you experience them. So it's a high but then it results in this kind of junky feeling, if you will. As an example, I don't get many consolations, generally speaking, at all. But we had a retreat here of a bunch of you know, really fine Catholics. And I do get consolations when I teach or, or when I'm talking more about the Lord in, in these kinds of contexts like with you here. But I had a great consolation in that yesterday, and it remains with me today. And mm. it won't, it, it's not going to fade. Why? Because I had a man come up to me afterwards and in tears, not a highly emotional guy in my experience, but he just said, mm. I so needed this so badly. I needed to be told, to be challenged, you know, this is so good and so powerful. And so, you know, the Lord was present, you know, the fruits are good in the people, the fruits are good in you. And nobody's excited to anger about the difficulties in the church. Nobody's excited to anything other than I need to love God more deeply, right? That mm-hmm. That's the measure, you know, whether it be in yourself or in those you affect. Does it result in that? Then you're on the right track. What a beautiful moment. And it's something that I think we need to really take to heart that, as you said, it's not about the constellations. Of course, that's your good friend, John of the Cross, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, <laughs> you, you could do, I'm waiting for that book. Okay. Oh. That, you know, I'm just waiting for that one. You got to get Father Haggerty. He just wrote an amazing book. Have you had him on Discerning Hearts before? Well, as a matter of fact, we're doing a 20-part series with him. that book is the best book written in our time, in my opinion, on John of the Cross. 
So yeah. you're very blessed to have it. Is it going to be on that book or a different one? But on that book, we took it. He gave us just, that's, he gave us a lot of time and we awesome. just started on that. And awesome. thank you for saying that. I know that you highly endorsed the book and yeah. that was a big, when I saw that, I went, oh, better take time with this one. Yeah. Um, Anthony also was, was a bit, he, I don't think his endorsement ended up on the book, but he, uh, he, uh, Dr. Lillis is maybe your listeners know him, but uh, he a uh, big fan of that book. It's, it's very good. I was under contract to write it, but mm. after, uh, with another publisher, when I saw it, I thought, ah, what's the use? Well, I don't need to replicate. And he did it far better than I ever could. So folks don't miss that series with discerning hearts. It'll change your life. That's for sure. We'll continue this conversation in our next episode. You've been listening to St. Teresa of Avila, Spiritual Warfare and the Progress of the Soul with Dan Burke. To hear and or to download this conversation along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com or you can find it within the free Discerning Hearts app. Also, you can view the video of our conversation by visiting the Discerning Hearts YouTube channel. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, which is to offer authentic and rock-solid spiritual formation freely to souls around the world. And if you find us worthy, please consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for St. Teresa of Avila, Spiritual Warfare, and the Progress of the Soul with Dan Burke.